This episode of the Getting Smart Podcast is part of our new Pathways campaign. What is something you used to think that you've changed your mind about? It's time for us to do that with all things learning. Previous Getting Smart campaigns have laid the groundwork of networks, place, purpose, and innovation. Our latest effort, the new Pathways campaign, will serve as a catalyst for unbundling education to allow for new learning models that are sustained by support and guidance and embedded in scalable systems. In partnership with ASA, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Stand Together, and the Walton Foundation, the new Pathways campaign will question education status quo and propose new methods of giving students a chance to experience success in what's next. Find out more at gettingsmart.com backslash new pathways. Hey, Scott, what, what does learning look like at Purdue Poly on a good day? You know, on a good day, which almost they're almost all good days, when, when you walk into one of our buildings, you see students who are really actively engaged on something that interests them, right? And so it's not going to look orderly. It's not going to look like students sitting in rows facing the front and a teacher talking. It's going to look like students trying something. Um, maybe they're trying to build something, right? And the coolest thing happens is when that doesn't work. And you hear the conversation between them and their teacher, who we call coaches, saying, here's what you could have done. And the student going, oh, man, now, yeah, I get it. I'm going to do that the next time, right? And then you might go into another room, and you've got students in different groups who are taking on different topics and researching something, arguing amongst themselves, arguing with the teacher, and then coming up with some kind of their own pitch, right? And so... Again, it's going to look a little bit chaotic. It's not going to look like anything that you expect a high school to look like, but you're going to see it day after day after day. And so, again, they're almost all good days when, when you come into to the, a Purdue Polytechnic. That's beautiful. Kiana, what, what brings you joy when you um, walk into a poly classroom? What brings me joy when I walk into the classroom is that moment where you see it click for a student or they get really, really excited about a project that they're so excited um, that they cannot wait to share it with you when you walk into the space and that you know that um, deep, deep learning is happening um, because the, the, um, the student has been so engaged in a project that, that they care about. Um, that, that's really beautiful to see. I'm Tom Vanderark, and you're listening to the Getting Smart podcast. And today we're joined by leaders from Purdue Polytechnic High Schools in Indiana. The founder um, and, and head of school, Scott Bess. And we're also joined by Kiana Warren. She's the associate executive director. And Kiana was the founder of the second school, the Poly North. Scott and Kiana, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you. Very glad to be here. And you guys are off and running. Uh, school's back in session, right? Yes, it is. We're uh, we're we're hot and heavy in it, and uh, you know it feels strange that we feels like we just ended the school year, but here we here we are again. So it's it's uh, it's good to be going. Kiana, I uh, in in researching this, I noticed that you um, like Scott were a leader of the Goodwill Excel Centers. They're well known in Indiana, but less so in other parts of the country. What what are Excel centers, what was the mission and maybe what, what were the big takeaways from your leadership role there? Um, so the Goodwill, uh, Goodwill Excel centers um, are a 
an avenue or schools that allow um, adults to earn their high school diplomas for free. And not only do they get the opportunity to earn their high school diplomas, but they leave with um, college credits um, and industry recognized certifications um, because the focus is not just on success in the moment, but what happens next. And that's how we measure outcomes. And um, they now at this point have... um, graduated over a thousand students and just really had a generational impact. And what my biggest takeaways from the Excel Center is um, that to dream big, to innovate. Um, they're they're uh, at the time that um, uh, Scott founded um, those schools, there was really nothing like it in the world. And it, and it helped us to think big and think what, what is possible in order to have uh, impact on the uh, education um, system and and just e- and the economic impact that um, enrolling in the schools had on the students is just very powerful. Scott, I I think uh, just having observed you for the last five years that that your experience with Goodwill um, just gave you a sense of imagination of what that education could look different uh, that opened you up in in maybe ways that traditional educators aren't. Is is that part of your takeaway? Oh, absolutely. So I think the, the biggest thing that, that the Excel Center has taught, first of all, when you're dealing with people who have dropped out of high school and understanding the reasons why, and yeah. it almost always came down to not a lack of academic ability, but a lack of academic engagement. And that if you could design high school to be different, right, to, to really bring in the, the needs of the students into the space, and whether those needs are academic, whether those needs are social, emotional, whether those needs, you know, whatever it might be, if you can bring that into the high school space, A, you don't, you don't create more dropouts, and B, you create opportunities for students to realize their full potential, which in our case, hopefully that they go on to a place like Purdue University or any other post-secondary. And I think the idea that what the Excel Centers forced us to do was to really reinvent what that high school experience could be. And we've been able to take those lessons and bring them on into Purdue Polytechnic, even though we're dealing with traditional age high school students. But that idea that, as Kiana said, you can you can think differently and get a different outcome. And you really have to take a chance and be bold. And that was really the big translation between the two organizations. Kiana, um, on, on your website, uh, it says the Purdue Poly model is student-focused and STEM-centered What's that really mean? I mean, d- describe the the learning model at, at Purdue Bali. So I would say at the heart of what we do um, is we give students voice and choice, and we want to empower them to create the futures that they want for themselves. Um, and so we, at the, a lot of schools say that they are, are student-centered, but when you look at the systems, um, a lot of them are really centered on what makes it easiest for the adults. So a good example for that is the master schedule. Master schedules make it um, possible and easy um, to for um, adults to teach their, uh, let's say their 60 to 90 minutes, and then the student moves on from place to place, but they're not really making those connections. They don't often have the opportunities for real world application. And so what we decided to do was throw out that master schedule and students get the majority of their learning in projects and projects of their choosing, projects that they opt into, um, which provides such an opportunity for students with various backgrounds, with various um, 
educational um, backgrounds too, uh, to be able to engage in meaningful projects where they feel empowered. Um, It's very interdisciplinary and we don't let time dictate the learning. Um, uh, It's important that students master the learning and that they don't just have a a surface level understanding of the material, but they are really deeply engaged in it. And one, one example is if you have a master schedule, if you're working on a, a, a project or an assignment that you really like, the bell rings, you, which we don't have bells, by the way, it's time to go to the next class. And that's what it's like in a traditional setting. But mm-hmm. in our setting, the flexibility allows if a student needs to continue on a project, we our, our, our systems allow for that. So things that are really, truly centered on um making sure the students are getting what they need. And uh, we have a theory here that if, if students can find their passion, um, we can design re- really great learning experiences because we've engaged them in uh, the process. Kiana, the last time I was there, uh, I asked a couple of kids to show me their schedule and it was really a list of projects and then dojos, these, these sort of skill sprints. Is that still what a, what a schedule might look like? Um, so we've made um, um, alterations to our, our schedule over time or our, um, what our ap- academic model looks like over time to really even more meet the needs of the students. And so at this point, you'll just see a series of projects that meet the, the various needs of students. Um, and that's mm-hmm. an evolution that I'm super proud of. And, and your school, more than any other that I know of, it, it sort of pushed courses into the background. That you really the foreground learner experience is primarily projects, and then secondarily personalized and and blended learning. It's really a, a unique combination of those. Uh, Scott, let's back up and just do the origin story and what, what does Purdue University have to do with all of this? Yeah, so when uh, when Mitch Daniels, uh, who was the governor, two term governor of Indiana, when he left the governor's office and went to immediately to the presidency of Purdue University. Over the first couple of years, he spent time analyzing and, and thinking about his, which is one of his strongest skill sets. And he asked the question, where does the diversity at Purdue come from, right? Because when you go on Purdue's campus, it's a pretty diverse place. You see people of all types walking around. But the answer he got back was very little of the black and Hispanic students on Purdue's campus came from the state of Indiana. And Purdue's a land-grant college, so they have essentially an, a, an obligation to the state to educate all citizens. And his conclusion was, we're not doing that. So the challenge to us was to create a high school that would increase the pipeline of underrepresented minority students to Purdue. And so our central thesis on that, right, when you think of the origin, was if we're going to change an outcome that's been that bad for that long, you cannot nibble around the edges and just have a longer school day or do a double block schedule, right? I mean, you, you've got to really dig in and say, how do we fundamentally change outcomes, which means you have to fundamentally change the system as Kiana described it. So that, that really was the origin was to increase that pipeline. And as we'll talk, we've done that um, even in our first two graduating classes. Yeah, Scott, I think I remember five years ago, there were a couple students every year from yeah. greater Indianapolis that went to Purdue, maybe uh, 30 altogether over four or five years. And now you have 30 of your graduates at uh, Purdue just, just from Poly. That's right. Yeah. So it was the, the uh, Indianapolis public school system was averaging anywhere between two and eight 
uh, students of color going to Purdue every year, and we quadrupled that in our first year. Um, we did it again with this, the graduating class that we just had. And so what's happening at Purdue now, they're actually, even though Purdue is a massive place, they're starting to see the needle move on the percentage of underrepresented minority students who are coming from Indianapolis because of us. Um, Kiana, do, do you think about uh, Purdue Poly? And I guess you now have three campuses, right? Purdue yes. and, and North Indianapolis and then uh, South Bend. Do, do you think about yourselves as a, as a pathway network? Are you really a college prep STEM network with, that includes but isn't limited to Purdue as a, as a destination? Yeah, so um, I think that's a great question. One of the things that um, we think is really important is to make sure that students have options and opportunity. And as educators, it is not our job to decide to be gatekeepers for college. So we just want to make sure that our students are prepared um, to get to not only get to college, not only get accepted, but persist and graduate and um, live the dreams that they have for themselves. So I would definitely say we are that. And then the other piece about the STEM is we really want to make sure that students are exposed to all the possibilities. You hear things like the future is tech. Data is the new gold. Um, we don't know what the future of work looks like um, because it's constantly changing. The jobs that um, a lot of folks are doing now didn't exist when I was a child. Um, so our job is um, we believe that if we can uh, uh, have students that are able to collaborate and work well in groups, students who can communicate really well and students that can innovate, they will do well with us beyond. Uh, but it is very important and crucial that um, we are preparing kids for the rigor of college and to uh, not just get there, but to persist and graduate. And Kiana, do you have this dialogue in advisory? Where does it happen? And and then specifically, when do students hear about college? When do they get to visit Purdue and other campuses? Oh, I love that question. And so I, uh, we serve a population um, that has historically not been as represented, represented in higher education and a lot of students who are first, who will be the first in their generation to go to college. And so we know that it's really important to get them engaged with um, our, with um, the college going process. And so, yes, they hear about these things in advisory. Um, and advisory is really that time where, where students um, are in groups between uh, the class sizes between 15 and 20. So much smaller than you see in a typical high school. And they um, their advisory teacher or their coach is really their um, their go to person for support. They um, meet every day um, and they're able to um, hear about college opportunities. They're able to grapple with really um tough conversations around some of the current events. And one of the things that uh, it gives them an opportunity to learn critical thinking skills. So we don't exist to be able to tell people how to think. We just want them to think um, and to ask the right questions. Um, and there's a lot of support that comes there. Uh, what's really cool and unique about our model too, is we empower the, our teachers who we call coaches um, to speak to students about academic advising, ac academic advising, um, and each campus has a college and career coordinator 
um, who support these efforts. And from the first, uh, from the the, the the day that they enter their freshman year, they're already getting constant exposure to Purdue University. Um, and uh, students will have multiple visits to campus. Um, we have a summer experience where students at no cost to our families have gone to Purdue's campus been able to take classes with other college students and um, live in the dorms, just have that college life and have that exposure. And we have so many students come back from that visit and say, I didn't think college was for someone who looked like me, but I now know I can um, do college. So absolutely that exposure piece starts in advisory, but it's also um, that connection with with, uh, Purdue. That's beautiful. It's really about helping young people experience success and what's next, right? Imagining... Mm -hmm experiencing what's what's next, experiencing themselves be successful in what's next. And you guys do that so well. Scott, any, I, I think anybody that's heard me present in the last five years is, has heard me go on and on about your Client Connected project. I think of you guys as best in class at Client Connected projects. This seems so complicated. Um, the, the way that you guys wrangle these business partners and match them up with students, and then help students deliver value for clients. How the heck do you do that? It seems impossibly difficult and complicated, um, but it seems super valuable. So how, how does that work? Yeah, well, that's one of the cornerstones of the school. When we, when we set out in the very, very beginning, as we were designing the school, one of the most important things to us um, and to students as, as we had focus groups was they wanted to interact with the community, right? So that whether that's, you know, the, the business community, um, you know, or nonprofits, whatever it is. So we had to say, look, we have to design the school so we can make that work. And so as Candace did, you know, really the entire day for a student is, is built around projects. And it turns out that, yes, it gets complicated to manage the process, but it's actually relatively simple to get businesses to say, oh my gosh, you're doing this project that relates to something I do, I would love to come in and interact with students and judge their pitches and be a, be a content expert because most businesses understand that the talent pipeline is essential to their future. They would love to help K through 12, but they don't have the foggiest idea how to do that. We give them a really simple way. Say, hey, look, here's an eight week long project. It's in your wheelhouse, right? So we have students who are interested in clean water in the river. You are an environmental science firm that does clean water in the river. Would you, would you connect with our students for this eight weeks? And it's a yes. They come in, they're the content experts. They, they help students with their ideas. There's field trips involved. If, a, if we're doing a pitch on that, the, the, they'll come in and judge the pitches. And after eight weeks, we go, thank you very much. That was great. Now we're on to the next thing, right? And so for them, it's been a great experience. For our students, they've, A, had exposure to content experts. B, they started to build some social capital. They now know someone who does that thing, which they found really, really cool. And so then we can lead that into internships. We can lead that into apprenticeships. We can lead that into part-time work. And you put all those things together. And as you know, we look at academic content, not just what happens inside the school walls, but outside. So if a student has an internship, if a student has a part-time job, we look at what they're doing and we can translate that back into essential learning outcomes that might be part of ac- academic credits. So this whole ecosystem is really is essential to the school. So yes, tracking it, managing the relationships, all of that is 
complicated and it's time consuming, but it really is what makes the school work from a standpoint of, if you're going to say we do real world stuff, it can't just be things that you make up and put into a classroom wall. It's got to go outside and people have to come in. Kiana, you opened the second campus. You got to see this work pretty well at the first campus. What was it like for you and your team to try to stand up a new set of relationships with, with business partners and kick this off for a second time? Was it, was it terribly difficult or did it come pretty easy? You know, honestly, um, it was a, it was a very, it was a fairly easy process. Um, we were able to work with, um, some of the partners that had, have chosen, had chosen to work with, um, our first campus, but also within our neighborhood, there was a lot of really great partnerships. We were able to work with, um, more local organizations, more, um, small businesses, which was, which was really a gift because I, um, really believe that schools exist to serve the communities and engage with the communities. Um, and so it was really great to be able to, um, partner in that way. So it was, it, it, um, it's one of my favorite things about uh, the work we do because it just gives students so much exposure and access to social capital that they may not have otherwise. Scott, I've, I've heard you talk about design thinking a, a couple times, but it, it seems like design thinking is important to you, uh, kind of a structured problem solving approach that you teach and, but also project management, um, just being able to delivered value in a, uh, through a complex project. Um, tell me a little bit about um, how, you, how you teach design thinking and project management. Does that happen before these projects or does some of that happen real time during the projects? Yeah, so it, also by the nature of what we do, um, it's real time during the projects. When a student comes to us as a freshman, it's highly likely they've never had any exposure to design thinking. They've never had to actually manage a project. Um, things have been scripted for them, right? So they've been handed something and there's a timeline and the teacher coaches everybody through it. And so here, by again, by definition, and again, all students are doing this work, right? So it's not like, hey, once you master your fundamental academics, then you can go do projects or the projects are for the gifted kids. Everybody's doing this from day one when they start. So what we have to do in those first projects is really incorporate the concepts of design thinking in it. How do you manage a project? How do you create a project plan? And so we have some structured things we do with students early on their freshman and sophomore year, really designed to get them to be fully independent. And so what you might see is a freshman student in their first couple of projects, they might follow a relatively scripted process of design thinking, right? So understanding, analyzing, uh, empathy, I mean, all the things that, that kind of follow that. But by the time they get into their, certainly into their sophomore year, they start to riff off of that, right? They go, man, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. But instead of spending like, Hey, this is analysis week. And then this is empathy week. It might be, okay, I'm going to start with empathy because I want to understand the, I want to understand the process and then I'm going to do some analysis, but that's going to take a while, but I'm going to spend almost all my time on prototyping and, and making something right. So that's, you start to see the students on their own because they understand the process, able to move and adapt that to their own needs and to the needs of the project. And I think that then carries over to all the stuff that you know, when you think about what they're going to do in an internship, they're going to be handed a project. And what we think is beautiful is that our students can go, okay, I got this. I'm going to create a project plan. Here's, here's the deliverables. Here's the timing. And what we hear back from some of our mentors is like, 
I can't get my full-time employees to be able to do that out of the gate. And you've got a kid that's a junior in high school who's coming to me with a project plan and I'm able to respond to that. Right. And that's a, we think that's a skill that lasts way beyond high school and even college and can really serve them well out into the, uh, out into the work world. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, Kiana, what, what are you going to be working on this year? What, what do you hope is, is different and better about this school year? Um, so this year, um, uh, being post-COVID, uh, well, I shouldn't say post-COVID. I should say some of the restrictions have been lifted. Now that we're in the endemic COVID or whatever this is. Yes, the endemic. I love that um, word. Um, one of the things I'm really excited about is getting students into even more internships. Um, so that's something that kind of slowed down a bit um, due to um, a lot of temp- a lot of folks saying virtual and and all of those good things. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm really excited for the growth that is happening um, really at all of our campuses, but specifically um, at our North and South Bend campus. So um, we've welcomed new staff members to help accommodate the growth. So I'm, I'm really, really thrilled about that. And uh, some of our uh, our leadership development program, that's something else that helps accommodate uh, our, our growth. Um, I'm so grateful for the growth um, because it shows that um, there's family demand. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad that we have those structures in place. And then um, I'm really excited for the projects that we'll have this year because I've heard some of them pitched and um, the students and staff are excited. Kiana, are you taking visitors this uh, this fall? We are definitely taking uh, visitors this All fall. Right. We love having folks come in. All right, y'all, put this at the top of your schools to visit list. Purdue Polytechnic High School in Indianapolis um, and South Bend, one of the best school visits in America, um, doing great things for kids that deserve a shot at Purdue and, uh, and other great universities. Um, Scott, what's, what's next for the network? Are you working on a new location? Uh, we are working on a new location. Uh, we've uh, filed an application to start a new school, a third school here in Indianapolis in uh, 2023. And so hopefully uh, next year at this time, uh, we'll have we'll have a school that's open. Um, and again, I think the, the need was there. The, the results, again, um, outside of the center of Indianapolis mirror what happens in most urban cities. And you know, the outcomes just aren't good. And so we, we're going to keep growing in places that have high concentrations of, of uh, black and Hispanic students um, to try and change outcomes. And we're going to do that throughout the state of Indiana. Then the other thing that we're particularly excited about is creating partnerships with districts, charter schools, whatever might be um, outside of the state of Indiana that maybe serve whatever demographic, right? It could be they serve high-income kids. Maybe they serve low-income urban kids. But creating partnerships where we can help those schools implement all or part of what we do. And so we're starting to build an organization and technology that says, hey, look, we can make it easy for you to create these business partnerships, to create these projects that let you blow up your master schedule and we'll help ease you through that transition so you don't have to, you know, frankly encounter all the pain that we had to in our first couple of years. So that that yeah. work probably out there in, you know, in 2023 and beyond is really exciting because that, that's where we think we can achieve true scale with right. growing, growing the schools we do, but also then helping others do what we do. We love that idea. I wrote a book called Better Together a couple of years ago, um, suggesting that schools work in networks because this stuff is super complicated. You guys have 50, you, you've figured out 50 gnarly problems <laughs> and 
we would love to see schools around the country partner with you because what you're doing is really best in class at combining project-based learning and competency-based learning um, in partnership with a, a great R1 university. It's it's very unique and it's a powerful model and we'd love to see more people take advantage of what, what you're doing. Scott, we should also add a word of uh, gratitude for our friends at XQ that's been um, that's helped make it possible for us to, to work together for the last five years. And I, I know their grants have been helpful, but you've also really learned a lot and contributed to a, a community of practice with other great school leaders across the country. Anything you'd, you'd add there about the XQ community? Oh, oh for sure. I think the, uh, I mean, for sure, you know, the, the grants and all that, that's been terrific and that's enabled some things. But as I actually had a conversation with XQ uh, last week, the the community of practice, the thought leadership, the, the provocations have been more valuable, right? Because you, you get connected to people you get a chance to work with people they're working with. And, you know, again, that's uh, whether it's experts across the country, whether it's other schools who are also trying to do something different, a different model. But again, if just trying to do something different is hard. And sometimes you just need people around you who are like, I'm trying to do something similar. And yes, let's, you know, let's commiserate on this and let's figure out how you solve that problem. Right. And so, that partnership and their leadership across the country, you know, as they work now, you know, in DC and New York and other places where they're trying to also achieve scale. I think we're all learning from that and learning from each other, but that partnership for us has been uh, uh, just terrific. I mean, it's just, I, 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 I'm not exaggerating. When I say we wouldn't be where we are today without that. We've been talking to Kiana Warren and Scott Best from Purdue Polytechnic High Schools one of America's best, go to Indianapolis and visit their schools. Kiana and Scott will uh, will welcome you there. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you, Tom. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate appreciate your work. Thanks uh, thank to our producer, Mason Pasha, for making this all possible. I couldn't help that one. Uh, thanks to the Getting Smart team uh, for the support of the podcast. Uh, I think this is about 405 now. And uh, until next week, keep learning, keep leading, and keep innovating for equity. Thanks for tuning in to the Getting Smart podcast today. We want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, Mason, at gettingsmart.com. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. Feel free to share the podcast on social media using the hashtag GSPodcasts. Thank you for listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. The New Pathways campaign serves as a catalyst for unbundling education to allow for new learning models that are sustained by support and guidance and embedded in scalable systems. The New Pathways campaign will showcase how learners can shine as difference makers and learning curators when opportunities are intentional, equitable, and personalized. Find out more about New Pathways at gettingsmart.com backslash new pathways. Thanks to ASA, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Stand Together, and the Walton Foundation for their support in this campaign.